Thank you for downloading Tube Flash Tales, original flash fiction inspired by London Underground and vintage and contemporary brooches. If you want to find out more, visit the Tube Flash website, but not before you've listened to this set of Tube Flash Tales. Keep your luggage with you. Oval. Happiness is Wanting What You Have by Stephanie Bran Oh, Val. Oh, Mel. They sit on the big iron roller in the shadow of the stands, looking across the perfectly mown pitch. The day is dazzling. Mel's a groundsman responsible for the green, velvety stripes. Val sells ice cream. They grew up together in the same shabby Stockwell Street. He's just proposed. She thinks, I'll never be this happy again. It isn't possible. She doesn't know. How could she know that war will be declared a week after the wedding, that cricket will be cancelled for the duration, the Oval designated a POW camp? He'll be called up. She'll work in a munitions factory. Long hours, hijinks, <laughs> dirty jokes and oil-stained fingers. A lonely bed at night. Always the underlying dread. Is he alive? There'll be a glorious lifting of the cloud when he arrives from Dunkirk, grey as a ghost. In that moment she will think, Oh, this is perfect. I cannot possibly be this happy again. Once more alone, dealing with morning sickness and bedbugs, cheated by her landlady, nightly she'll study a map of North Africa. Her mum will be bombed out, the old street destroyed, no home to visit for comfort. At night she won't dare carry the baby to the shelter. Oh, the pavements! Slippery and treacherous. Beams of light crisscrossing the sky, sirens screaming. She'll cradle him in the coal hole when the V1 start, crawling out black streaked and shaky after next door takes a direct hit. Soon after VE day, a knock on the door. She'll stand on the step, the baby, wearing a knitted hat that makes him look like a chess man, on her hip. Mel and the child will stare at one another. She'll think, I cannot believe this happiness. Can anything be this perfect ever again? Oh, Mel. Oh, Val. Paddington. Values Laid Bare by Stephen Ryder I alighted at Paddington Station and bought a cookie from the stand. White chocolate and raspberry, crunchy and crumbly, and casting delightful smells from its snug paper bag. 
Before I could walk and enjoy my treat, I spied a teddy bear, sitting alone and forgotten against a pillar, and decided I would do my good deed and take him to lost property. No sooner did I feel his soft fur in my hand than he squirmed and twitched his felt nose and said, Are you new to London? No, I lied. Fibber, he waved a scolding paw at me. For a small piece of that biscuit, I will tell you how to find the best inn in the city, the best bath, the best bed, the best breakfast. You'll never have a more satisfying night. And if I offered you a large piece, I teased. Ah, well, that's different. The bear scratched his nose. Then I would tell you the name of a song. You have not heard it yet, but it will inspire you. You will know your life's path and what you want in the world, never again to walk in doubt. I considered for a moment. Tell me, bear, I said. Say I was to split this cookie and offer you half. <gasps> for half that crunchy treat, I will introduce you to the man that will make you wealthy and successful for life and tell you how to wind your words and assure his friendship. Oats and raspberry wafted at my nose. And if I gave you the whole cookie, the bear smiled. I would show you a good tree to sit under. Marble Arch Transubstantiation by Zoe Fairbairns We stopped for coffee and discussed our purchases. Shoes, dresses, tops, <laughs> frilly knickers. Perfect, we told each other, sipping our lattes. You look terrific in it, we said. We'd been saying these things for decades. Sometimes they were even true. Traffic whizzed round Marble Arch with its towering sculpture of the horse's head, chopped off at the neck. This was the site of Tyburn Gallows, she said. I believe so, I said. The forty martyrs of England and Wales persecuted by your church. I don't have a church, I reminded her. And yours hasn't been averse to doing a bit of persecuting over the years. True. She sipped her latte. I suppose belonging to the wrong faith was seen as treason. Treason? I thought it was theological, all about transubstantiation. I unwrapped my flapjack. Take, eat, this is my body. I broke the flapjack. She said, it doesn't work with flapjack. Who says? I took a mouthful. Do this in remembrance of me. To what? If I die before you, make a commemorative shopping trip. 
Have coffee and something to eat, and think of me. Promise? Why should you die before me? Why shouldn't I? Well, it doesn't have to be flapjack. It can be cheese croissant, a fudge brownie, a multi-seed energy bar. She looked as if she might reach across the table and take my hand, as if we were the sort of friends who did that sort of thing. It's only a scan, I said, looking out of the window. The sun was shining on the horse's head. The horse had a beatific expression, as if it was swallowing water, even though it had no throat. North Greenwich The Landed Sea Witch by Delia Sagagi I miss the sea, she whispers without voice. She looks without eyes to London's ever-grey sky. A wooden arm extended as if pleading for rain. She knows that only the wind can bring her water. No breaking waves will again caress her body and transport her away. It is decades since she last voyaged to China, since sailors' feet massaged her back. Scars of storms, of fire, the lingering scent of stale tea. She looks to the sky, waiting for the rain, perils forgotten. No spells from the witch can stop time, as she sleeps, an arm extended, white fingers clutching a forgotten stallion's tail. She hears without ears the rumbling sky. She smiles without lips. Plick, plick, plick. It is raining. Knightsbridge The Belvedere-Kensington Interaction by Eric Carlton As Jeff sat in the tea room at Harrods, waiting for Hilary to arrive, he couldn't stop thinking about what his mother would have thought. She'd always taunted him that he would still be a virgin at forty, yet here he was at thirty-nine, with a chance of converting the cyber-passion he had already indulged in, twice, into real passion. "'You spend all your time playing those silly games. You'll never meet anyone!' she constantly nagged. "'It's called the Knight's Quest, and it trains you to make tough decisions and moral choices,' had been his stock reply. His character, Sir Geoffrey de Belvedere, had been on the highest-level quests and faced dragons and ogres, he had rescued Lady Hilary of Kensington from her dungeon, and she had invited Sir Geoffrey to her castle for a night of unbridled cyberlust. Twice. But where was she? Jeff checked his red bow tie again, their agreed costume. 
He was in good shape for a man of his age, and she wouldn't be too disappointed to meet him in the flesh. To pass the time, he glanced at his copy of Games Master Monthly. Another disturbing article about online grooming. That was the trouble with the internet. You never knew whether the person you were chatting to was young or old, male or female. Then a terrible thought struck him. What if Hillary was a man? At that precise moment, in ambled a middle-aged man with a comb-over wearing a leather jacket. He looked over at Jeff and smiled. Jeff feigned a coughing fit and dashed for the exit, nearly knocking over the pretty woman behind. I'm so sorry, Jeff said. She looked at the red bow tie, smiled and replied, Not to worry. My castle's just round the corner, Sir Geoffrey. West Ham Up the Ammers by James Brinsford Mind the gap, Grandad. My underground announcer's voice is a little rusty despite holding my nose so tightly my glasses steam up when I speak. I hold my Grandad firmly as we take our exaggerated step from the carriage. This is the kind of thing that would send him sprawling and I didn't want to remember today for picking him up off the tarmac. He was steady though and we walk towards the entrance. Standing there, we contemplate our journey ahead to Upton Park. Every home game, it's the same. Not forgetting to stop at the butcher's for our packet of pork scratchings. Ready, Grandad? We'll walk it slowly so that you can take it all in. I swap hands in clutching him. My palm is sweating and we start our mini pilgrimage to the place which was our meeting point if we got separated the last time we came. As we stand at the foot of the Bobby Moore statue, I feel my granddad's smile. I tighten the claret and blue woollen scarf around him, just like he'd adjusted the one Gran had knitted for me 30 years earlier. Here we are, granddad. I told you we'd make it again and Bobby would be waiting for you to join him. I unscrew the cap of the urn and slowly hold it aloft with both hands. Closing my eyes, Grandad comes alive. I tip the urn to let him free and without hesitation he rushes out, taking off with the circling winds, weaving in and out and disappearing to the skies. I wrap the scarf around my hands and give it a kiss. Up the Ammers, Grandad! You've been listening to a Tube Flash production. Keep your luggage with you. Read by Kate Fowler, Keith Morris, Richard Hodder and Tim Heffer. If you enjoyed this download, why not visit the Tube Flash website, www.tubeflash.co.uk, where you'll find more underground tales to download and keep forever entirely free by following the iTunes link.